The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to break down the card from All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. I always say the week that was. That was weird. Mike, how are you? <laughs> uh, I'm doing good, man. Um, you know, I, I've i transitioned from this cough to unexplainable back pain this week. So I'm just a fucking mess. <laughs> have you considered that the cough like, may have caused the back pain? Maybe, man. Maybe. That is a I, thing. I also think. I also think it might be that I went so long without working out because my car was in the shop. So I think maybe just going back to the gym after eight eight days off might have done something. But my backpack has been a wreck this week, and I constantly smell like icy hot, which is a very attractive scent, if I do say so myself. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm sitting at a weird angle right now. Um, you can't see obviously, but um, yeah. So been been better, but hey, man. Football starts this week. I've had three fantasy drafts this week. Uh, my 10 dynasty leagues. Yes, 10 are ready to go. Um, Wait, you're joking, probably... right? What? 10? Yes. You are insane. Yes. <laughs> we know that. Um, Even I Bill draw... Simmons is like, you can't be in more than two leagues. <laughs> like that's a lie. <laughs> um, the nice, so the thing about Danis, dynasty, um, sports is that there's very little movement after the off season because every player is pretty much taken. Um, so most of the work for this season's already done and it's just setting lineups, which I use a tool that allows me to edit all my lineups in one place. Um, so really there's not much going on. Like every now and then you'll get like an, a, undrafted free agent who goes off in the first two weeks and you got to try and use your free agency budget on that player but for the most part like everything's kind of set and done you know i send trade offers out maybe once every two weeks and i get offers maybe once every two weeks so just kind of evaluate those but honestly back in like april after the april may after the draft when we had all the rookie drafts going on i was doing dynasty stuff dynasty stuff like every single day so it's actually not that bad I am dropping some after this season. Um, so I'm going to probably bring that number down to five next year. Okay. And if I win them all, dude, I'm in the money. Isn't that like kind of mathematically impossible, though, given that you'll have different players on every team? And like for some teams to do well, it dictates that other teams have to do poorly. Not necessarily, because it all comes down to the matchup that you're in. So. I could have 10 different starting lineups, but if I play 10 different, you know, bad lineups, then as long as the teams are good, it works. Honestly, I've, well, I had five last year and I finished in the top three or four in all of them, you know, so. Yeah, football season has kind of snuck up on me this year. I think it's because <laughs> the NBA is still going on. Uh, yeah, but no preseason really, is weird, too. It, it hit me over the weekend because I was like, oh. Yeah, usually the NFL starts the week after Labor Day. And I looked and I was like, well, fuck me. They are starting. So. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah it, kinda, kinda, everyone's kind of said that. And that's why I, a lot of my fantasy leagues and even draft to this week. Because like, hey, we're, we don't want to draft if there's not going to be a season on time. So, you know, yeah, it's just another another thing to 
help get us through this nonsense, I guess, you know, San Francisco's skies are orange and there's another hurricane, I think, forming and it's going to be 55, <laughs> two hurricanes forming. You know what? So give us a little American football as long as the players are safe. Well, they're not safe because they're playing American football, but let's hope that they're all safe from COVID. And, uh, you know, I hear Dr. Sampson's consulting with the NFL on concussion protocol. Okay. Okay. All right. So <laughs> I, I got to take a moment here. And uh, so there's a, there's a, a thing that happens in the world. Um, it, it happens in business. It happens in education. It happens in, in all areas. Right. But it's, it's, it's a, a no fault autopsy. Right. And so what you do is that after something happens, uh, particularly when something goes badly, you look back at it to try to figure out like what to do in the future without assigning blame. I have no doubt that everyone involved did exactly what they were supposed to according to policy. What that means is that the policy was bad and needs to be revised. So I'm kind of sick of people crapping on either Matt Hardy or Doc Sampson or Sammy or, or anyone else who was involved because they were all doing what they were supposed to do, but what they were supposed to do was wrong. And that's what needs to change. So that's my two cents on, on that situation. Oh, I don't blame the talent at all. Like I don't blame Matt or Sammy. It's a bad spot. It went wrong. Comes down to the people who write the checks, man. And Tony, Tony Khan has to be responsible for that. And, the doctor who helped design that policy should be responsible when the policy didn't work. So I think criticism is warranted for them. But. Well, fair for, for, for TK. I don't know if Doc Sampson sets the policies that like, that's knowledge I don't have. Uh, as far as I know, he's an employee who did what he was supposed to do. So now instead of like getting mad about that, let's make sure that the policy gets changed so that next time, you know, it's just over and done with. True, 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 true. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fine. You know what? Let's get into it. Dynamite. The Let's world. go. <laughs> All right. Dynamite started off with Jericho and MJF having a brief showdown in the parking lot prior to the show really getting started. We then cut to the ring where Jurassic Express and Lucha Bros were already in the ring, ready to go. Jurassic Express got the win over the Lucha Bros after a malfunction at the junction where Penta ended up inadvertently hitting Phoenix with a Canadian Destroyer off the top rope. Uh, after the match, we got Eddie Kingston coming out to cut a promo and play Peacemaker between the different members of his crew. And that was followed by a promo from Lance Archer and Jake Roberts. After that, Matt Hardy came out and addressed his injury from All Out and gave the fans an update. This was followed by Orange Cassidy defeating Angelico in a singles match. After the match, Proud and Powerful made a run-in, and Chucky and Trent intervened and challenged Proud and Powerful to a parking lot brawl. After that, we got a backstage segment where Alex Marvez attempted to interview the Bucks and got super kicked for his trouble. Kip Sadian then came out and made two unsuccessful attempts to announce who the best man was. And the best man was then revealed to be Miro, formerly Rusev. After this, we got an interview segment between Tony Schiavone and Hangman Page. Jericho and Hager defeated Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela in a no disqualification match. 
and MJF disbanded his campaign. After the disbanding, he had a very tense showdown with one Wardlow. After this, we got a John Moxley promo addressing the number one contendership of Lance Archer. After that was FTR's tag team celebration. Darby, uh, sorry, excuse me, Ricky Starks came out disguised as Darby Allen to cut a promo furthering their feud. Nyla Rose had a match with Tay Conti in which she defeated Tay with a beast bomb. After which Vicky Guerrero cut a promo and Hikaru Shida came out to attack Nyla Rose. We then got a sit down interview between Kenny Omega and JR and Brody Lee defeated Dustin Rhodes to retain his TNT championship in the main event. Stock up, stock down. Hey, Joel. It's Miro Day. Happy Miro Day, man. Miro is the best. Miro number one. <laughs> oh, man. How awesome. I First off, yes, Miro. Rusev is in AEW. And man, I even before we talk about Miro, I loved Kip's delivery and all the false starts in this segment. I thought it was one of his best promos to date. And man, can he rock a crop top? I just felt really bad for Brian Pillman Jr. to be embarrassed like that <laughs> on his birthday. And I don't know if you saw any of the stuff on Twitter. Uh, Brian Pillman was like, dude, we I, I stayed on your couch in London for, you know, like weeks it was really funny basically pointing out like, of course we're friends. How could you say that about me? So uh, I thought that I was I love fantastic. that you're the best comma man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then as he's leaving, Kip goes, I hope your birthday sucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. But let's talk about the man of the hour. Joel, what do you, what do you think of Miro being all elite? Well, I feel like we've talked about Miro a number of times on the pod as somebody who would make a big difference and be a huge asset to AEW. And the fact that we got this kind of out of nowhere, I was not expecting this. I wasn't thinking about a new talent debuting. I thought this was going to be somebody who was already on the roster getting pushed into a bigger spot. So uh, I thought this was great. And I, I think one of the great things about Miro is that not only is he enormous, he has an incredibly mm -hmm. imposing physique, but he's incredibly agile and flexible. So I think he fits right into a big man division where a Canadian destroyer is normative, you know? So yeah. he's going to be able to have some amazing matches. And the biggest takeaway for me watching this segment was he just looks so freaking happy. And <laughs> he does. You know, reports of how miserable he was in the other wrestling company. And then just to see him come out, cut a somewhat scathing promo about, you know, take that brass oh. ring and shove it up your ass. Um, oh, still good. <laughs> just really, really great. And uh, you know, we talked before about Matt Cardona being someone who was punished for getting over when they weren't supposed to. I feel like the same thing could apply to Miro because when you know, every day is Rusev day. And, and that all became a huge thing. And the fans got behind it with Aiden English and everything. You know, that wasn't supposed to be as big of a deal as it was. And instead of recognizing that, strapping the rocket to him and putting him over, he got buried. And, you know, the, the, the thing that a lot of old talent 
will say is, look, you just have to go out and, and do your thing and get over. And if you get over, then, you know, you're, you're going to get pushed and you're going to get more of a spotlight. And we've seen time and time again that that's not true. Like, you mm-hmm. do have to be chosen. Probably the only example of that really not happening is um, Daniel Bryan, uh, where it was just completely undeniable and it had to happen. But I'm excited for him. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited for him too. And I, I, the promo I thought was great. Um, I love the end of it. You know, um, elite recognizing elite, elite recognizes the best because I am the best man. I love what I, I'm so excited to see what the best man gimmick for him is going forward. And I'm curious to see if he is simply like a bodyguard type thing for Kip or if he's going to be more of a actual partner in this relationship. So I'm curious to see where they go with this. Um, you pretty much said it all, man. Uh, he he had some definite issues with the management over in the other wrestling company. Uh, I think this is going to be a good fit for him. I think it's a nice style fit you know we didn't really we didn't really see him get to do a lot of long matches in the other wrestling company and he also was kind of in these weird tag teams over the last uh few years so um be nice to see him back in singles competition um but also just see what he can do when given more time uh more creative freedom and uh you know different styles you know he's always wrestled kind of other people in that wwe style so to see him in a company like AEW is pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, my only real complaint was the blonde hair, man. I don't think it worked. <laughs> I'm used to big, hairy, uh, long-haired Rusev here. And, uh, you know, kind of hunky uh, Rusev Miro was not something I was expecting. So uh, I mean, we'll he hasn't had the long goes. hair for a long time. He, he cut but it But even short. then, the blonde really was less like, I like at first I was like, who is this? And then when he put his head up, I'm like, holy shit, that's blonde Rusev. Um, and my my old roommate, she loves Rusev. She loves Lana. She watches, you know, watches Toda Divas. And Rusev was one of her favorites. And she was like, what the hell did he do? <laughs> so um, he just wants to match, I guess, the branding of AEW. And with Cody Rhodes off TV for a while, they needed another blonde guy to, to take some beatings <laughs> or issue some beatings. So. We have to fill our blonde guy quota. I, I like that. I think it worked fine. I think he and the blade kind of probably have the same hairdresser. And uh <laughs> which is also Hulk Hogan's hairdresser. So Hulk Hogan doesn't have hair. <laughs> Didn't stop him for about 25 years. <laughs> um, but anything else about Nero Joel before we move on to <coughs> excuse me, cough is not really gone. Something else? No, I um We've got a, a few stock ups, but I do want to throw a, a quick stock down on the Lance Archer and, and Jake Roberts promo segment. I'm really not sure what happened. It, <laughs> that that pretty much describes it, man. I watched it. I'm not sure why they were standing in the rain. I'm not sure what that had to do with the promo. Uh, and I really don't think that claiming that John Moxley, of all people, is going to piss himself is the direction you want to go with a promo. If you want to say you're going to sweat, you're going to bleed, okay, I'm I'm down with that. But everything that we've seen Moxley do, like he went with Omega into that web of barbed wire. He's yep. absolutely insane. He's taken some of the craziest bumps that we've seen in the company. I mean, yep. you're not going to scare John Moxley. Like that's not a thing. 
And if they tried to make that part of the angle, it would kill it because it wouldn't fit. So why are you going this direction with this promo? Um, I, I kind of feel, I, I, likely, I liked Lance Archer's segment of it. I thought he was good. I thought he had good intensity. But I'm just getting diminishing returns from Jake Roberts. Like, in the beginning, we were so locked into his promos, and it was so good. But I don't think Lance Archer needs him anymore. And honestly, I think it's holding him back. For me, first off, you're not interested in seeing Jake Maverick piss himself? Like, we could do that exact same gimmick with uh, Moxley here. It'd be wonderful. Um, but I think what the issue with Jake is that this is kind of maybe one of the negatives of how AEW does their creative. You know, they have no writers. It's it's the wrestlers, and and they bring what they want to do to Tony Khan, and they determine whether or not that fits the long-term storytelling. And I think this is just a situation where someone had to say, Jake, what the hell are you doing here? What are you saying? Um, and I, I think his promos have kind of slipped a little bit maybe because we're kind of used to his delivery, but you know, we're used to his character. It's just, they're not hitting the same. And it also could be too, that you have someone like a fresh manager, like Taz right now, just killing it on the mic every single time he does something for his clients. So yeah, I, I I'm with you on there. This promo did nothing for me. Um, I'm not sure where the value is for what, what Jake brings to the table right now when you have someone capable like Archer and, this is gonna. This is a feud between Moxley and Archer. This doesn't have to be a whole lot of back and forth in ring live promos. Like we know that we know the story here. We know this is gonna be a physical, violent, dangerous match. That's all you have to build it on. It's not like there's some long running story between these two uh, in AW. If you wanted to go back and talk about their NJPW match, sure. But this was this is a championship match based off of winning a gimmick match like you don't have to do more here and i think jake is just rambling a bit because they told him you have five minutes to come up with something yeah whatever it was it it did not hit for me and i think you know i think that at this stage we would be better off with lance archer talking for himself because he's clearly capable of doing so and it's been a little bit hit or miss. I, I think the last good segment that they had together was when Lance Archer was just beating people up while Jake was cutting the promo. Like that I thought was really fun and interesting. And, you know, obviously Lance Archer can't be cutting a promo while he's beating people up. So it was helpful to have Jake yeah. there for that. But if they're just going to be standing in the rain for no reason, like Lance Archer yeah. can do that on his own. I'm also curious because they kind of they over the last few months they've kind of teased this like Jake Roberts can't control Lance Archer. Jake Roberts doesn't, you know, really have power in this situation. And they kind of abandoned that. Um, so yeah, I we'll see where it goes. I'm still excited for the match. Um, Moxley is hitting his groove right now, and Archer and Moxley. We're getting that in mid-October, so that's kind of our midway point between uh full gear so kind of treat it like a mini pay-per-view is what i'm gonna guess that night's gonna be like um but yeah any anything else i do have a a stock down if if there's nothing else about this you want to talk about no go ahead okay so in the preview show for all out i talked about i would be amazed if cody didn't show up at all out 
And when he didn't show up, I literally was like, oh, wow, they're really, really selling this beating he took from the Dark Order. Because you're having maybe your biggest solo star not appear on what is supposed to be your biggest pay-per-view of the year. So I was really proud of AEW for being committed to the, the bit, committed, committed to the story. And then during the show tonight, they had the breaking news from Cody Rhodes following the show. And originally it said match. It originally said match. And then they kept saying show. So get your messages right, guys. I'm like, oh, cool. We're going to get a message from Cody. Sweet. Like, maybe this is going to... And it, to pimp a game show, it just took everything that... All the excitement I was feeling of them leaning into this story of how badly Cody was broken. So no, no, he's just spending his weekends with fucking Snoop Dogg. Like, Some, somebody sounds I, a little bit jealous. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no. I just it it just it it took away from that, and I get get that they're you know it's on TBS and they're on TNT, so it's a sister network, and you have to have synergy across your shows and whatever. But man, what a way to hype us up for a message from Cody, and then it is promoting what looks to be a god awful game show <laughs> like so it's not a game show it's one of those competition, like yeah. whatever and, and like honestly like it seemed more interesting and different from like the other shows that are like that out there and what i'll say about it is that if nothing else it raises the profile of cody which raises the profile of AEW so i see it as a net positive I agree about the placement. I thought the placement was piss poor. Um, but honestly, I don't think it hurts the Cody angle because right now there is no Cody angle. Like he's out. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's not true though. Cause they, they, they're still dragging on this nightmare family versus the dark order thing. Like we had another match tonight and then another embarrassing beatdown. Like there is a story going on and Cody not being a part of it is significant. So the aura of him being that like that down and out that he can't come and save his brother, save his friend, you know, Brandy could get involved too. still like it, it to me, it, it does take away from it. I, I don't think and I think the way they played it, major announcement from Cody. We haven't heard from him in three, four weeks. Wow, this should be big. I feel like they could have made the announcement that Cody was going to be on this game show or this be a judge on this show just do a regular tweet, you know, or just do a commercial. But you don't have to make it like there's some big important announcement coming from Cody. I, I agree like, with that. I just I don't see this as as really being anything negative, other than the way they did it. Um, I mean, it's hard to break kayfabe when it's slapping you right in the face. Like like Dark Order was so powerful they broke Cody. No, Cody's Cody's just on a different network for a few weeks. <laughs> like. <laughs> So nah, just like I said, just just how I feel about it. And I just it just came off really weird and kind of disappointing for what we were hoping to be something more significant from Cody. Less than a year in Cody's now John Cena. So. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> Let's get also, to some stock. Up. Also, oh. like who wouldn't want to be John Cena? <laughs> like, oh, I'm I would <laughs> totally love to be John Cena. I'm not knocking anyone for being John Cena. I mean, I just thought we'd have a little more time before Cody went all Hollywood on us. So, I mean, he was already acting before AEW ever happened. Like, <laughs> this ain't his first rodeo. 
Yeah, well, I'd rather see him fight the Flash or Arrow again. Um, but anyways, let's move on to our, our, our another stock up we have. And this is just the overall tag team division right now. Uh, we had... Man, it's feel like we've talked for a while about we needed to get Omega and Paige out of the tag team division to let other teams shine. And tonight we saw Jurassic Express again really shine out in what was an awesome match against the Lucha Brothers. Uh, we saw FTR put the entire tag team division on blast with while also taking a shot at the WWE Hall of Fame, which I thought was hilarious. And then we have a surprisingly new entrance into entrance into the tag team division with Chris Jericho and Jake Hager, who had a very compelling match with Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela. Joel, we talk about this all the time. Tag team division, AEW freaking rules right now. How do you feel about the outlook of this division moving forward? Well, normally, if you told me that you're taking Kenny Omega and Adam Page away and replacing them with Chris Jericho and Jake Hager, <laughs> I would think that this would have to be a bad thing. Uh, but like you said, we needed Page and Omega to get back into the singles picture. And I think the story that they're telling there is really compelling. I love that the two interviews struck such a contrast of Hangman Page basically taking all the blame on himself and saying, like, I think I might be filled with poison, but, you know, this is just something that I'm going to have to get past and, you know, we'll go back to the drawing board and, and we'll, you know, move forward together thinking that he and Omega are still a team. And then you get the Omega interview towards the end of the show and the vibe was just totally different. So um, I think that's going to be really interesting. And uh, I think the time is ripe for Jurassic Express to get built up super huge and face off with FTR in the near future because they are just having great matches week in and week out. And they're a great babyface team that the fans will get behind. And now that there are fans back in the building again, it's important to strike that strong face heel dynamic. So uh, I think there's a lot of great stuff going on in the division and I'm, I'm really stoked for it. Yeah. God, remember uh, when AEW started into early, la uh, earlier this year where Jurassic express couldn't get a win, <laughs> like, <laughs> like they could just not get a win to save their lives. And here they are getting a win over one of the best tag teams in the world, the Lucha brothers. Um, so it just amazing progress from them. You can see it in their ring work too. Uh, some newer spots. Like he, we saw that massive, like flying choke slam move from Lucha source again tonight. That just looked amazing. Um, and they can work with a bunch of different styles. Like it's kind of tradition. Give us your most athletic tag team partner and him and jungle boy are going to do some spots to start the match whether it was Nick Jackson, whether it's Phoenix, like we're just going to do flippy shits around the ring and it's going to be fun. So um, I think they have a great style combination. You know, I always love the giant and the cruiserweight, um, you know, pairings. I think it, it offers a lot of cool moves that you can do as a tag team. Um, and then moving on from them, you know, FTR, Tully Blanchard's just amazing. Like good on him for just cutting some awesome promos. Um, and then FTR just, obliterating all these tag teams like and i like them kind of saying it's like you don't get title shots you have to beat us and then maybe we'll give you one um so it's it's, it's definitely a change 
at the top of the the division. So yeah, I, I'm I'm intrigued, very excited, and you, you nailed it on the Kenny and Hangman stuff. Like it's like when one when a one person in a relationship knows it's over and the other one's still clinging on. It seems like this is Paige's last grasp of because he, he's lost the Bucks, he's lost you know, well Pierce, he's lost this relationship. The belts, he's Pierce, he's lost this relationship with uh, Kenny. So um, you know, we've all been there. We all understand that. And curious to see which way these two guys go. Um, you know, maybe Hangman is finally going to be Sean Spears' tag team partner. Sean Spears will finally have a partner. But um, no, I, I'm excited to have these guys back in the singles division and curious to see where they go. So I think I think in this rare instance, both divisions get a boost, uh, the singles and the tag teams division by these guys um, doing what they're doing. Man, you're just desperate to make Sean Spears happen. I thought I, you were done I with Sean, Sean Spears. Spears. <laughs> I thought I was too, but it's like New Jersey. You try to leave it and it brings you back just like Sean Spears. Um, no, I like Sean so, Spears too. I hope I'm hopeful for good things. <laughs> I, and with Tully being with the F- FTR, just put him with that group. And now you have an awesome, you know, little faction going on. Do something like that. But yeah, I, I got to get off my shot. See, I'm like hangman page clinging to this Sean Spears thing when it's over. It's over, Mike. Anything else about the tag team division, Joel, before we move on? No, I, th- I think we can move on. All right. Tonight's made event featuring maybe the two biggest competitors in a single match, like one-on-one since the company formed. This was a hoss fight, baby. And just, it, it just keeps blowing my mind that Dustin Rhodes can do this at his age. And he keeps like, adding new things. Like, yeah, he, he whipped out a Hurricane Rana tonight. I mean... What? What is that? Like, he's... well, it's good when you have someone on the other end who can support you and not drop you. Well, yeah, for you know? sure. But it just—it's—it's <laughs> it's wild to me. I mean, he hit a destroyer that looked really, really good on Brody. And yeah, you know, I mean, you remember what we were talking about when he was first hitting Canadian destroyers way back earlier this year. It was like mm, maybe you shouldn't be doing that because it looks kind of slow and stilted. Mm-hmm. He's got it figured out now. The last yeah, two he destroyers does. he's hit have looked incredible. And it's remarkable to see someone at this stage. You know, he's been wrestling for 32 years professionally. And <laughs> he's he's never looked this good. And it's not no. like he hadn't had a good career. He had a fantastic career. He was always a great worker. But this is the best work of his life. And it's insane. I, yeah. I just, I'm, He's my found mind the is blown man. by this. Like, it kind of makes me like, I'm getting mad for like him when we were like 10 year old me should be, should have been more pissed because he was not doing this type of stuff. Maybe wasn't given the option to, but I feel like of all the old guys who have been, you know, who have like jumped companies in the past and going back to like TNA and stuff like that, like, He's having the best second act of a career that I've ever seen. <laughs> like, and just good for him. Like, you can see how much he enjoys it. And you you hear from all the talents backstage, he's he's like the Dusty of AEW, man. Like, what Dusty was for NXT. All these young wrestlers talk about how much Dustin has helped them uh, since the foundation, since the forming of AEW. So not only is he 
giving back to the next generation of talent. But he's also just putting in great work while he still can. Like, and I know wrestling isn't the same as other sports. You can wrestle much longer than you can. But like, man, like Kurt Angle isn't that much older than Dustin Rhodes, I think. And he could barely move at the end of his last run. So like, it amazed me how, how athletic he still looks like. Yeah. Kurt Angle is the same age as Dustin, same age as Dustin. And Dustin kicks the shit out of him right now in terms of what he's able to do. This isn't to make, I mean, Dustin you know, also hate on Kurt Angle. broken his neck. So, well, that's true. But like, you know, <laughs> I mean, this is, this reminds me of like late career flair. Obviously we're not going to put, you know, him on the same level, but kind of the same type of thing where the last few years of flair's career, he was pulling great match out of great match out of his ass. Now he was much older, but still like, this is incredible. So stock up to Dustin, man. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It, it's been really impressive. And this was a great match. We haven't even talked about Brody Lee here. Mm-hmm. He looked awesome in this match too. Yeah. And I loved that closing sequence of the, you know, two huge kicks knocking Dustin back into the ropes. And then, that discus clothesline. I've never been a fan of the discus clothesline. I think it's a shitty finisher, but there's a handful of people who do it really, really well. And it works for me. I always felt like um, Natalia had a great discus clothesline and mm-hmm. um, Brody Lee, he makes it look really good. Yeah. He makes it look impactful. It's like, I, I liken it to JBL and the clothesline from hell, like the clothesline itself, like that, that's, it's a clothesline. It's not meant to be something that ends matches, but when you add someone that big and that strong, like the clothesline from hell, when it, when they nailed it, like got the timing, right. It looked awesome in the ring. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think the same thing with the discet Larry and it's nice to see him being able to set it up in different ways, you know, kind of rebounding them off the ropes like that. You know, you're so big and so powerful. You, it looks legitimate that you could kick someone the size of Dustin into the ropes and him bounce back towards you. Yeah. And I think, you know, it goes to show that the move doesn't make the wrestler. The wrestler makes the move because like, I mean, look at Kazuchika Okada. He uses a short arm clothesline as his finisher. The Rainmaker is not that impressive, but damn it if I don't pop for it every time. And this is the same kind of situation. You know, I'm sure that being such a big, strong guy he could do some kind of toss power bomb that would look really cool. And, you know, that'd be great and probably would look more impressive. But the more this discus clothesline gets him wins and the more he hits it and it looks devastating, the more that move is going to get over because he's over and he's using it well. So I, I thought this was great. And yeah, um, this match was way more fun than I thought it would be. <laughs> like. And for this to be the main event post a major pay-per-view, it, it delivered. And, and Joel, I have a, a bit of a last-minute stock up, if you don't mind. Go ahead. According to Twitter, AEW had 1.016 million viewers last night. Hey, hey, seven figures. I believe this is the first time since the opening show that they've hit over a million maybe that first two or three weeks that's really that's great. an impressive number yeah. wow keep nxt on tuesday 
<laughs> well, I mean, I do think I do think both brands will benefit from the shows being on different nights because the fan base for NXT and the fan base for AEW, there's a lot of crossover there and people want to be able to watch both shows. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. Um, I used to love NXT. <laughs> I, I don't think NXT is NXT anymore. Um, I think it ceased to be NXT yeah. when they put it on USA and made it two hours because, well, that's a different conversation we could have another time. But I think it will be good for both brands to be on different nights. And I hope that that's a thing moving forward. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah, exciting. That big, big number. Good for AEW and good for us. That means we're going to have a podcast here into the future because they're not going anywhere with that number. <laughs> well, we've got to get to lightning round and we got to make it a true lightning round because we are going long. Lightning round. So uh, the first thing that I want to talk about in lightning round was just uh, the showdown between MJF and Wardlow after mm-hmm. MJF disbanded his campaign. Uh, I've been calling for this for so long and I cannot wait for MJF's just kidding, haha, buddy, to not work and for Wardlow to knock him on his ass because you know it's coming. You know it's coming. Oh, and yeah. It's going to be glorious. And what I love about it, I'm getting some JBL Shawn Michaels vibes from back in the day where Shawn Michaels was hired by JBL and he needed the money, and JBL could basically do exactly what MJF said put you and your family out on the streets. So uh, and that ended up being a great feud. So curious to see where this goes. Love uh, Wardlow kind of, you know, puffing out his chest there for a bit. So, uh, yeah, I know how much you're a Wardlow guy, so that's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, for me, uh, Alex Marvez taking a super kick. Good. <laughs> Poor Alex Marvez. <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. Um, no, but seriously, uh, in another lightning round moment, uh, freaking John Silver took a power slam from Dustin. Uh, five out of five, especially when it's a guy that small. Dustin got low. Yeah. Super that fast. Was really fast. Super powerful. Um, and as soon as the setup, I was like, oh, baby, here it comes. And it did not disappoint. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I got to give a shout out to Ty Conti. Uh, she is all elite. She was signed. So she's officially part of the roster and that's really exciting. And I thought it was a really cool moment seeing her come out with kind of fighting back tears at how happy she was to be signed when she came out to face Nyla Rose. And of course she lost that match, but that's only going to serve to advance her storyline of uh, being recruited into the dark order because, you know, who's there to pick her up. And I saw they did an after the, uh, after the match thing on social media with Anna Jay going to comfort her. And, and once again, trying to recruit her to the dark order. So let's make this story happen. Amen. Uh, for me, I want to talk about quick, the shoving match between Ray Phoenix and Pentagon here. Um, man, if, if they, if they set up a match between those two guys, it's going to be amazing. And then also just, you know, AEW's resident therapist, couples therapist, uh, Eddie Kingston saving the day and getting those two guys to shake hands. And shout out to our boy Hugh Resnick for 
pointing out that Eddie Kingston did not get eliminated from the Battle Royal and would love to see him push that issue and maybe get into a mini program with Lance Archer. Anytime Eddie Kingston has reason to wink at the camera, I'm happy. Uh, I I really like this. And I kind of thought Eddie Kingston was going to say, the only way for you two to work this out is to fight it out and for us to get that match. And and maybe that's going to happen down the line. Maybe they're going to continue to be mad at each other. And then, you know, that's ultimately the conclusion that Eddie Kingston comes to and sets up a match between the two of them. I think that would be great. Yep. Um, I got to give a shout out to my dude on Helico. Uh, he had a really fun match with Orange Cassidy where he got to show off some of his uh, submission expertise. He is a submission wrestler. Like that is his primary deal. And I feel like there's not really anyone taking up that space in AEW. And I'd love to see him fill in that void. We have people who use submission finishers but no one whose like identity as a wrestler is tied up in just torturing their opponents by twisting them into knots a la Zack Sabre Jr. Or, you know, take your pick of who your favorite submission wrestler is. And um, he's had some really good matches on Dark recently. Um, Jack Evans is out with a fractured cheekbone, I think. So Angelico is going to be going solo for a little while till uh, till Evans is cleared. Um, and I'm looking for for more good stuff from him moving forward. Yeah, I think it's a yeah. Have to clean that up. Good call on the Zack Saber Jr. comparison. That's exactly the vibe I was getting from him in this match. And just props to commentary for keeping up with the submissions. I, I felt like I knew exactly what was going on. Bringing up some of the like luchadors that he is using moves from or were taught by. So I, I thought it was really good stuff there. Um, and my last, uh, my last thing I want to talk about before we go is, um, thank God Matt Hardy's not dead. Um, yeah, like I enjoyed, I enjoyed his promo, you know, and I like that. He basically said, I am going into the singles division once I'm cleared to return and he wants to get some gold. So, um, I think that would be a, a good addition to those, uh, ranking matches, um, going forward, but glad you're doing well, Matt. And also his his wife was it as it uh, Rebby Sky or whatever her name is. Am I right there? Rebby. Uh, yeah. Rebby. Okay. She did not look happy when they put the camera on her. I thought, like, you know, like, I was actually really <laughs> proud of AEW for putting the camera on her because it was a guarantee that she was going to be mean mugging the whole mm-hmm. time because she is mad and she has every yep. right to be. So yep. I'm glad they kind of took their lumps during that segment with you know, featuring her and that disapproving glare. Um, oh, she was so pissed. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to let, did... I'm not going to let another episode go by without talking about uh, the AEW champion. I thought Mox's promo was excellent. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like the line of like, if you look at the numbers, you'd think I'm getting thrown into a wood chipper. Like it, it does kind of seem that way, right? Like Lance is this massive destructive force and he's enormous. Uh, Mox is one of the bigger guys on the roster and Lance towers over him. So this is an exciting feud to be getting. I think these two can have a really brutal match um, that plays into both of their styles. And I thought this promo set the tone wonderfully for what's going to come up next. 
Yeah, two things from that promo that I really liked. I loved Moxley subtly referencing that he is the number one man in this sport, which yeah. is PWI ranking. You know, in other companies, it'd be like they would talk about it way more, which they have in the past when it's been WWE guys. So good job there, Moxley, for being subtle with it. And then I just loved the last line. Um, the only question you need to ask yourself right now, do you really want to bet against me? And no, no, I don't. <laughs> like, I'm not picking you to lose a championship match we, for a while because it's working. We've been picking against Moxley for, you know, I mean, you Mox- finally caught on. You finally caught on. I'm still picking against Moxley and it's just not going well. Yeah, so. don't do it, Joel. Like, he's, <laughs> I guarantee it's like a reverse Sean even- Spears situation. Pretty much, pretty much, because uh, I don't see him losing it in this calendar year. So um, I think he, he makes it through. So uh, any other comments before uh, we wrap things up here, buddy? No, let's get out of here. All right. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show, Twitter at OWS underscore pod, Joel at The Other Joel, me at Michael underscore Aranda. You can email us at The Other Wrestling Show at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. And if you're an Android guy like me, you can find us on pretty much any podcasting app on the Android network. And boom, did that all in one shot. That's what I'm talking about. I guess I ruined it by referencing it, huh? (laughs) A little bit. Uh, Do you have a random observation for us before we go? No, no. But Ty Conti, if you're out there, there's never been a better time to join the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.